Good morning. Thank you for leading us in song, worship team. It's uh, such a great way to start service, joining our voices together, praising the Lord, worshiping him. He's all worthy. Let's pray before we look into God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for the gift of song. We thank you that you are so worthy of every praise and worship that we can uh, give to you, send to you. And we pray that we would always have a heart of worship for you. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, would you help us to understand you more and your ways and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we began our new year a few weeks ago by looking into some key verses or principles that the early church incorporated into their lives and principles with which they just lived by consistently, which made them a model church. You know, even today, we look at these and we say, this is the way we should be. And in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church, the disciple Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, mentions four things that the, uh, the first century Christians devoted themselves to. Now, we saw this last week, but I just want to read this. Again, it's in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, two weeks ago, we looked into the... uh, into how crucial the word of God was to our Christian faith. We need to be people of the word, don't we? We need to have the word kind of flowing through our minds, in our hearts, so that we can live by it. And, you know, it takes more than just a glance at it in order to do that. We have to be into it and be familiar with it and keep in tune with it. And if we neglect the word of God we can almost be certain that we're going to stumble in ways that we wouldn't have to. You know, in life's troubles, in relationships, in prioritizing, in decision-making, troubles that we could avoid by having the Word of God be our guide, our constant guide, our daily guide, helping us, teaching us, correcting us. And then last week we looked into the subject of prayer. And, you know, prayer is so valuable, so helpful, and, you know, the Bible tells us to pray. Jesus says, pray and never give up. And we saw how Jesus said that we should keep coming and keep coming and keep coming to the Father. And also, not just in asking things, if we are pray, if we uh, prayer, use prayer a lot, well, it makes us stronger it connects us to God more. It gives us a more of a, you know, a humble attitude toward God because we're asking him for something. We pray for our friends. We use it to help others. 
and it gives us a dependence upon God as we have a prayerful attitude. And today we're going to learn about fellowship. The apostles, they devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship. What's so important about fellowship that Luke names it as one of the four key components of the early church? Now, you know, I can see prayer and the Word of God. Those two, they just automatically seem to belong at the top of our priorities. But fellowship? Are we talking potlucks? Are we talking women's coffee? Are we talking men gathering together to watch a football game? What is fellowship and why is it one of the key elements that Luke mentions that, was, that played a key part in the early church? The early church had rich fellowship. What is it they were doing to have this rich fellowship? Well, let's just finish this uh, little passage here, starting with verse 42 again, going through verse 47 in Acts chapter 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. There's an aspect of fellowship. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. More fellowship. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now that's some fellowship, isn't it? I mean, they shared everything they had together with each other. They sold their possessions to help those in need. And they met daily in the temple courts. They listened to the teaching of the apostles, and that is reference to the word of God, because the apostles were teaching from the Old Testament word of God, and then what they taught became the word of God. They were sharing communion, they were praying, and then, after that, in their homes, they ate together. They had sincere hearts. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of the people, because the people were looking at them and saying, wow, these people are serious. And then people would join them when they were looking for that sort of thing. And all of that is fellowship, isn't it? You know, deep, real fellowship. Now, you know, what we just read in these verses, I would think we might call them extreme fellowship. Because those saints there were under tremendous pressure. You know, the Jews wanted to just wipe them out. They didn't want this new group starting. They wanted everybody to stay under their control and according to the Jewish law as they 
society. So these early Christians were under a lot of outside enemy pressure. You know, mostly by the Jews, who were very motivated to squash this movement at its infancy. They considered them a threat to them. So that intense opposition, that threatening opposition from the Jews, drove them to band together for encouragement, for comfort, for strength, to withstand, you know, to get help from each other, maybe even for survival. But the other major factor for this is what they were driven to. You know, they were, they were kind of driven away from the Jews because they were trying to snuff them out. But what were they there for? It wasn't just people running away from their enemies or harsh treatment or people that were mean. They also were clinging to something that they had committed their lives to. They had turned from the Judaism that had rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah and hung him on a cross to Jesus Christ as the very Son of God, Savior of the world, and the hope of eternal life. So as they were running from something in a sense, you know, gathering together because of the pressure, they were also running to something that was life-giving and that they encouraged each other in and that they lived their daily lives by. They were being persecuted for their faith seriously. So the early church fellowship was in the midst of extreme adverse, harsh opposition from the enemies of the gospel. That was their context. That was what they were living under. And they found fellowship in their belief in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior to come to the world, and in their love for one another in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And their fellowship was an enormous part of their faith. So what does that mean for us who at this time live under very, very different circumstances in the early church? What is true fellowship in our particular circumstances? Well, <clears throat> true fellowship is encouraging each other in our Christian faith and walk according to our circumstances. And fellowship comes from shared experiences. You know, we're sometimes, oftentimes we're driven to certain people and to groups because of our experiences. Kind of like we're all in this together and we understand each other because maybe we've come from the same place or looking for ways to help each other in the faith. You know, when... <clears throat> Just as an example of, you know, fellowship, being able to help somebody. When we lived in Coldwater, Kansas for several years, I did a lot of substitute teaching in the schools. And when we were in the break room, you know, for our lunch hour, there'd be so many teachers during the couple of different lunch hours. And the teachers would kind of bring up problems that they were having in the classroom or with a certain student. It was a small community, so everybody knew who everybody was. 
And there was no shortage of problems to talk about, to deal with. You know, the teacher would ask, how did you deal with so-and-so? And then another teacher would share how she found a way to handle that problem that the teacher was talking about. And it could be a problem, well, it could be a problem of other students, but oftentimes it was the same student. And, you know, that was very comforting and helpful for the teacher with the problem student. And it was caring and comfort from someone who had shared experiences. And that's what often happens when we seek fellowship. Because we're coming to people who have, you know, are in the same situations, we live in the same place, we deal with the same issues a lot of times. And when we help each other, that's fellowship. You know, you think about moms in the midst of raising multiple kids and all of the situations they face. There can be helpful fellowshipping in that area, can't there? How about someone facing surgery you've already had and have already been through? There can be good fellowship there if you give uh, tips to somebody on what's going to happen and what you can do to help. Who would be better to help a newly trained police officer than another experienced police officer? And who can relate to someone on active duty in the military better than someone who has already been there? What I'm saying is fellowship comes from experiencing similar circumstances and being able to relate to someone who needs encouragement. Fellowship is encouraging others in the faith because we live under certain circumstances, similar circumstances, and we know what that person is going through because we're either going through it now or we did. We've turned to Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we are here in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, for such a time as this. And we can look to encourage each other in the faith, and that is Christian fellowship. It's encouragement in the faith. It's being together and helping one another. It's fellowship in the Lord. Now, you know, as I'm saying this, I fully realize that there are people in this church, when you talk about encouragers, people who help others, there are people in this church who are experts at this. I'm standing here talking, but there's people out there who know it better than I do. But I believe as we talk about New Year's resolutions, we dare not pass over this key concept of fellowship. Because in the early church, it was so much a part of their, their being, of their, their daily life, was this fellowship that they just drew from each other, they, that they just were encouraged so much from each other. And of course, like we said, they were in a much different circumstance. Their lives were at danger. They were going to jail. They were being beaten. But we can do similar things in our circumstances. Our circumstances are different, but the encouragement of fellowship is still needed greatly. <clears throat> People today need encouragement in different areas than those in first century Jerusalem. We need to hear each other's stories in order to know how we can overcome a lack of love for others. 
We can learn that from each other. How do you go on loving people when they treat you like that? Or we can receive encouragement on how to uh, set a time to get into the word of God like we should. Or how do we learn to build a productive prayer life? You know, some people really have a very productive prayer life. How can we from them? How can we help our children to follow Jesus Christ? That's a big one. You know, and it just it isn't always easy. But we can take tips off from some other people. How can we learn to treat our wives more respectfully? How are we able to share the gospel with someone? I'm not sure what's the best way. I've got this neighbor, and he does this. What do you think? What does it mean to love our wives and our children? How do we deal with that nasty old idea of being submissive? You know, there are so many ways we can enter into true fellowship, aren't there? Helping people face tough circumstances. Sharing with those who have different needs. From our past, you know, seeing the things that we have learned and being able to share them. Seeking out people to find out what they've learned in different circumstances. Now, you know, I realize that as I'm saying all of these things about early church fellowship and acts of kindness and helping people in need and reaching out to others who may be hurting and being able to relate to people in certain helpful ways, as I am saying these things about how the early church was involved in this level of true fellowship, I want you to know for sure that I realize that that kind of fellowship is happening in our church. I'm not here just saying that we lack it completely. I see a lot of it, actually. I don't want you to think I'm blind to all the acts of love that are taking place. I know people helping others. I know of people helping others in very significant and even crucial ways. And, you know, you just kind of stumble upon it. And then you find out it's been being done. And I also know that there are great acts of fellowship and caring that I'm not aware of even now. And I know that because from time to time, I'll hear somebody being greatly helped by others, and I didn't even know it was happening. So you can imagine it's still happening, and we don't know all that somebody is doing. And sometimes you find out about somebody who's just really pouring their life into somebody. And they never said, they never told anyone. They're doing it out of Christian concern and care for others. And that's a part of our Christian fellowship, isn't it? That's what we can learn from the first century uh, Christians, even though our situation is much, much different than theirs. Now, I have a very positive opinion about how much good, loving fellowship takes place in this church. I am very positive toward this church. What this church is made of, the people, you people here, you people. <laughs> I, I, I'm just so 
high on this church as far as the character of the people that we have here. And I teach these passages in order to teach the whole counsel of God. And I know that people are always at different stages of their growth in Christ. And these passages are good reminders for me personally. You know, in some areas, I may be a higher than in other areas, but it's always good to be reminded of them. So if I'm telling you something that you're doing, you're doing great at, uh, just know that it's still a good thing for us to hear it and to remind ourselves and to help others who may be not there yet. And so as we see this extreme form of fellowship in the early church, and they were basically, you know, hanging on by a thread with, with the people breathing down their necks and trying to wait for them to see if they could get to them. And as they were selling their homes and, and that sort of thing so they could just help each other eat. And, but they were thriving. They were having true joy. And, and that's amazing. Because, you know, living in a, you know, a place like ours, a, a wealthy you know, place to live like ours, how, how could we even imagine being happy and, and when, when you just give all your, everything you have to the group and help each other? But that's the situation they were in at that point. And so now I would like to end this sermon by reading four verses from Philippians chapter 2 that speak of the common sharing in the spirit. And when it says that, you'll, you'll see it in there as we read it, uh, that's the word for fellowship, the common sharing. And it, the Apostle Paul is telling these Philippians what it means to be, you know, in great fellowship with the other Christians. And it's in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing, that's it, the fellowship, in the spirit. And so you see the fact that each one of us has the Holy Spirit, all who have turned to Christ, that's a sharing. That's a fellowship right there because we're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit if we turn to Christ. If any common sharing in the spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, I don't, I don't want you to use that last verse like a friend of mine did when he was looking upon the cards of another person playing. And he said, you looking at my cards? He says, well, you're supposed to look at the interests of others. <laughs> but, you know, the fellowship is us caring for each other, isn't it? In all kinds of different circumstances.
and in real tough circumstances where some people are going through right now, you know, always there is some persecution of Christians multiple places around the world. And they are driven to things like we saw in the book of Acts. Right now, God has blessed us enormously. Wow. We've gone so long without persecution. Who knows how long it will last. But we can do things in our situation too, can't we? We can help those who are hurting, those who lack, those who just need extra friendship. We can be looking around and, and just seeing what we can do for others. And especially when we have, you know, a church, family. And I know it, like I said, I know it happens a lot here. Um, it's just wonderful to see. It's wonderful to find out things that you don't see. And so I just praise God for the good hearts here and the people that really love and just want to encourage us to keep going, to keep doing, to keep helping, and to know that's what we're here for, to help each other and then to reach out to those who don't know Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I'm always just amazed at your word because it isn't just line upon line all the way through the Bible where it just tells you, do this, don't do this. But it gives you stories and it gives you real life to look at so we can pull principles and, and see how other people did things. And it's so varied, Lord, the scriptures. Help us to get into the scriptures and help us to take them to heart. Help us to pray. Help us to uh, practice true fellowship. And then help us to bring joy to others because we're there to help. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the things that we learn from it. We thank you for the fellowship that we have here. And pray your blessing upon everything that we do so that we can please you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.